Welcome to Goddess Works, a podcast exploring goddess-centered spiritual practice and honoring the magic in the ordinary and the sacred in the everyday. This is Molly Reamer with Bridget's Grove in association with our Patreon at patreon.com slash Bridget's Grove. Thanks so much for being here. My work. My work is to spin cells into souls into story, to translate the mundane into magic, to tell the small stories comprised of gooseberry and snowflake, mushroom and morning. My work is to weave blood and bones into the holy, to stand up for delight, to listen for the whispers of the wind, and to tell of crow call and seed shadow. My work is to remember that it is my job to take care of myself, and that only I can hear the inner voice that cries out when I am starving for myself. My work is to be not enough and too much simultaneously and to sit in the middle of both and just be okay because that is all that I have. My work is to ask myself over and over if anything really matters and to still have the courage to act as if it does. My work is to keep opening my eyes, my hands, and my heart. My work is to watch the sunshine on that cedar branch right now. So welcome to this Goddess Works podcast. I am Molly Reamer with Bridget's Grove. And I would like to speak to you today about wondering and wandering and the everyday magic of journeying in your own backyard. So those are my three purposes. And this audio is intimately tied to the one that I created last month, which was on the subject of devotion. And I'm basically going to start off with the where that devotion audio left off. And so I will link to the devotion audio below this one. But if for some reason they, uh, you know, become disconnected over time and space and in the internet world, then just know that I'm, 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 this is on the heels of a, um, audio that I made about devotion. You do not have to listen to both of them, just whichever one calls your name at the time. But the devotion, so I, I, in this, in the devotion audio that I made, I spoke of birds being one of my uh, signals, like one of my signs, one of my ways to connect to everyday magic is to look for a bird. So if I'm feeling dried up or parched or bored almost, or like the day is lacking in some kind of sparkle or lacking in that type of magical connection that I like to feel, that type of delight and discovery and enchantment that I like to experience, then one way for me to reconnect to it is to go out and look for a bird. And I usually see one and it usually, and usually that's the magic moment of the day. So I was speaking of that practice and yours can be completely different. I'm not saying that you have to go look for birds per se, but that for me, that's one of my delight triggers. That's one of my magic 
connectors. That's one of the ways in which I re-enchant my reality when it is feeling, uh, when it is feeling dry or in need of something, in need of a little, a little juice. So I spoke of this in my audio. I spoke of the, the connecting to everyday magic. I spoke of birds being one of my little signs and uh, one of my connections. And at the time when I made that audio, it was a really beautiful day. I was sitting out on the porch of the tiny temple and I had a mandala laid out and I had my cards and I had my tools and I was really enjoying the sunshine and the leaves and the temperature and etc. So I spoke about birds. I shared my closing poem. I went inside I laid aside my recording and I went inside to use the bathroom and uh, when I came back out there was a bird on the perched on I have a Venus goddess sculpture art piece on the wall outside the tiny temple by the door and there was a bird perched on this Venus at the top and uh and I could see it from the front door, and it's per- it was just perched there, and it was, and then it kind of hopped, and it was looking around, and it hopped onto the door frame, and then it went inside. The door of the tiny temple was open because of the nice day, and I had been sitting on the porch, and so the bird goes inside the tiny temple, and I actually could not believe my eyes because I had just spoken of birds and magic. I had just spoken of those magic moments that they bring me or that that that's the thing I can be alert to for enchantment. And there was one waiting in the on the porch, the dining temple, and then went inside. So I crept along through the grass and back onto the porch, and I went into the temple too, and the bird was there sitting on the couch. <laughs> And then it uh, proceeded to kind of hop around in these different places. It hopped onto the lamp by my computer where I write. It sat on the little table, in the the little altar table in the corner. It hopped on the little heater that I use to heat the building when it's cold. It hopped onto the carpet in the middle. It hopped onto my other little altar space and kind of hopped all the way around around, around the room. And... I was so stunned by this experience that I couldn't even, I can hardly even put it into words. And then, in a slightly um, less magical part of the experience, one of my cats came in and saw the bird hopping around and proceeded to try to grab it, and it flew away from the from the cat. And I actually kind of kicked out at the cat and said, hey, and I knocked over my drum. And and uh, so that was a little less magical, but it was still one of those things that happened. It, that's, it's reality, not just a, a magical story. And, uh, and so the bird flew out and away. And I went out after it to make sure that the cat wasn't, you know, hadn't captured it or wasn't hurting it, and uh, and it, the, it, the the bird was gone. But at that, as I stepped out to look to see where it had gone, I heard this cry above me, and I looked up, and there was a hawk in the air. And I had just mentioned that too in my audio about the about the um, kind of this red-shouldered hawk like carrying a message of of. Um, you know, worthiness and, and appreciation sort of in, in the, my own life. And so I look up and there's a hawk right in the sky above me. And, uh, and it actually was diving like it was, or, um, 
diving is the wrong word, but dropping the way they do when they're about to catch something. So it had its claws extended and was like dropping from the sky in a way that I have actually rarely ever seen a hawk do before at that, in that way. Uh, and it would, um, it was not going for my little bird friend from the temple. That would be a terrible end to my magical story is if the hawk then caught my little, the little temple bird, the temple blessing bird. It did not. I actually did not see what it ended up catching because it kind of dropped below my line of sight then, but it had been right above my head and dropping with its claws extended or its talons extended. And I stood in the grass and I had this sensation that I'd actually been transported into another world. I felt so, there was like such vividness and such, but at the same time, such otherworldliness or, or, um, or just, just astonishment that was going on that I felt transported into somewhere else. And the irony there or the reality there is that I was not transported. I was wholly present. And that's the sensation of being transported is I was transported firmly into this now, this what is happening right now and so that sensation of clarity and this like the the visual acuity and the sharpness of the scenery and the and the uh, drama of what I was witnessing was so like sharp-edged and vivid and alive because I was really there and that's what um, so that's kind of the theme of what I want to talk about today is being really there and discovering what you can discover in your own backyard what daily you know dramas are unfolding in the sky above your house what is happening in the trees in your front yard or down the street in the park that you like to visit like what real life magic is happening all around you and it's just waiting for you to see it or maybe it's not even waiting for you to see it but you are waiting to notice and so that was um and maybe it doesn't sound as exciting as it was but it's very dramatic and very uh so since i've returned actually i'm gonna i'm gonna start with something that i actually thought i was gonna leave till the end of the recording because uh, it's related to what I'm talking about right now. Since we've returned from the beach this year, I've had, um, I've been having an increasing amount of those experiences of this like sharp color and this really very vibrant, like clear, I told, I tried to describe it to Mark and I said, sometimes I feel like I step out and it's like the world is glowing to me. And I like feel this glow and I see this glow and like the moss is like this green that's just like exquisite and sharp and sharp meaning like clear, like really defined and like, and um, like bursting out at me and it, and, 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 and it's the experience like with the hawk and the bird in the temple where I feel like I've almost been transported into an alternate plane of reality or into another place. And yet I'm not transported. I'm in my actual yard, but it's more of a, it's so it's being like being transported into complete presence, transported into full nowness. And, and this has been happening like more frequently, but the color, the vividness, like, so the leaves will just be like really, 
clear edged and it almost, you know, I said it, it almost feels, you know, kind of trippy people. I, I am not a, a substance using person and, uh, but I have heard people describe, um, you know, plant medicine type journeys that they have taken of feeling like this clarity of vision and this sensation of this connection and everything. And so what I am loving is just experiencing that for real without any, without anything but me and being present for what's there. And there's no need to manipulate that experience or, or embellish that experience or alter that experience. It's just witnessing and being present. And that clarity is so, it's like, it's very intense and inspiring. And I was thinking, um, the other day when I was, I, um, I guess I was journaling or writing, drawing a little picture or something. And I, what I thought was, I am endlessly inspired by the reality of what it is to live in this world. I don't need to like journey to far off places. Like I'm endlessly inspired by the reality of what it is to live in this world. And so, so then, and I explained, I was exploring this concept with Mark too, is that uh, it was thinking about, um, guided meditations and some shamanic journey drumming. And, and I know there's some, uh, disagreement about the appropriateness of using the word shamanic to describe like a drum journey. So let's just say a drum journey. Let's not ascribe a particular, uh, you know, culture's practice with that, but a drum journey, a guy, a journey that is, uh, so there's guided meditations, but there's also drum journeys or journey type of meditations that are undertaken, uh, that are, that spontaneously unfold. So they're not guided with con that you're not told now we're traveling to this sacred lake and you're going to meet this moon goddess, but rather you listen to the drum beat or you listen to the music or you listen to whatever it is that you're listening to. And then this journey unfolds in your mind. And so what I told Mark is that I feel like I am journeying, but it's not in my mind. It is real. I'm really taking the journey. And that's, so when I step outside and I have that, I can identify it when it happens. Like I step out and I see this, this glowingness or this clarity to the color. And I know like that's where I'm going is on this journey, but the journey is real. And I'm, this is not in any means meant to discount the experience that people have with drum journeys or with guided meditations. Those can be very, very valuable. And I'm not meaning to say that, that my looking at a hawk in the air is, you know, somehow better than or superior to somebody else's insights that they gain through the drum journey. But what I, it's inspiring me to wonder about and share with you is what, where might you journey in reality? So I think there can be a tendency to get kind of excited about or almost lost in the mythical realms or this, or the, the spiritual journey realms where it's so exciting and interesting and so magical to take these journeys in your mind. But I wonder if they are occasionally replacing where you might actually journey in your physical body on this earth. And it's kind of like, I've joked before, you know, I would love to travel to Bali, let's say, for example, but I've also never been to Texas. And so like, maybe instead of needing to buy a plane ticket and get a passport and go to Bali, maybe I should also go to Texas. <laughs> and that's, I mean, and that's, this is just an example. It's not, I don't have a burning desire to actually go to Texas, or I'm not saying that everyone should 
pilgrimage to pilgrim to pil- take a pilgrimage to Texas instead of going to Bali. But it makes me wonder, like, why why this impulse to go somewhere far away instead of somewhere that you can easily access? And so that's my question that I'm posing to you: is what might you be overlooking that is nearby? What might be close to you that is looking for your attention or that is available? to be to share things with you if you looked at it and so my my um, little metaphor there with texas is that your backyard might be texas and the the guided meditation of the drum journey might be the trip to bali and both have value and both can be really intense spiritual experiences but you can't um you can't forget about texas Wait, where am I going here? No, you can't forget about Texas. You can't forget about your own backyard. The other thing I want to acknowledge is there's definitely an element of privilege in what I speak of here because I am fortunate enough that I do live in the woods and I do have hawks that are zooming around above my house and, and you know, showing me their talons. And I have access to those things in my own backyard. And if you live in an apartment building or if you live in a very urban area, what I'm speaking of might sound as fantastical to you as you uh, journeying to the upper upper realms and soaring with the you know star beings like you might be like yeah right there is no you know there's not a hawk above my house so get real uh, so but I would still encourage you to to peek to peek and to look and to to investigate what might be there. So if you do live in a more urban setting or if you do live in an apartment building area or what um, publicly accessible state parks or city parks or um, trees in the middle of the median, you know, what might be there that you could learn from, where, what colors might sharpen for you if you tuned in and paid attention to them. What squirrel, like I had the experience, um, I shared in my devotion poem about seeing the white squirrel. We were in a public park in the middle of a city when I saw the white squirrel. It was not a magical um secret sacred spot it was in the it was on a uh, oak tree in the middle of the park which was in the middle of a city and we looked over and there was a white squirrel on the branch and like watching us and it felt this um I've the the experiences like I was sharing with Mark that it feels like being in this real life shamanic journey or real life guided meditation only it's it's just right here happening. I also have had these several experiences over the last couple of months of what feels like a magical realism of of the world. I've been read I read a, a couple of different books that are in the magical realism genre such as Practical Magic, that kind of book. I read The Rules of Magic and I read some other books that are in that same kind of category of magical realism. And uh, as I read them, and I thought about my own experiences and I thought, I feel like I live in a world that is full of this magical realism. I, it's not just a fantasy. It's not a novel. It's not a story that I'm reading about or, or something that's separated from me. It's actually the world I live in. And so seeing a white squirrel on the tree is, um, is real. And isn't just a type of like escapism or something to, to experience mentally only. And so that is, um, I might not exactly be explaining what I mean because it feels personal too, or, um, a little tender 
a little um, vulnerable, like um, like uh, you know, opening myself up to some kind of risk in making this confession about how magical, how what the magical realism of my life or my everyday, you know, journeys into ordinary reality. Those uh, it, that there's a vulnerability there in expressing even what I'm trying to share. And uh, it was even hard to explain it to Mark, who's, you know, been my husband for more than 20 years. And uh, sometimes the people closest to us can be the tenderest to make the, to venture out with, in an idea, with an idea that seems radical in some way. So how funny that it's radical to, to advocate for finding magic behind your house or in that tree right in front of you. But anyway, this is totally not going the way that I had planned for it to go. And that is totally going to have to be okay because that's what I have to offer right now. That's what I said at the beginning. That's what it has to be okay because that's all that I have. So Perhaps my little stories may have been better placed after the wondering and wandering section that I was going to share, which comes from the book Morning Altars, Seven-Step Practice to Nourish Your Spirit Through Nature Art and Ritual by Day Shieldkrit. Shieldkrit. I'm not sure how to say his last name, and I'm so, apologies to you, Day. Day Shieldkrit, uh, Morning Altars. And um, so... He's speaking uh, speaking of awe and wonder and enchantment and um, and actually I didn't I wrote a poem that I shared I believe I shared it in the devotion audio where I said I was part I'd woken up in the morning with the thought in my head I am part wondering and part wandering and it it was just a thing that had come to my mind I woke up and in my head were the words I am part wondering and I am part wandering and. Uh, and then I wrote a poem based on that, Wondering and Wandering. And I hadn't read this Morning Alders book yet, and I didn't know that he, he links the wonder and wander as well. So that was a cool little connection. But so he quotes uh, Anagarika Govinda as saying, The feeling of awe and sense of wonder arises from the recognition of the deep mystery that surrounds us everywhere. And this feeling deepens as our knowledge grows. And so that's what I would say too, is I, I have found that your experiences of everyday magic, of enchantment, of wonder, of awe, of real life journeying in your own backyard, of, uh, of these sharp discoveries, those experiences increase the more time you allow yourself to have them. So the more, the more you allow, the more you experience. And so he says, Day says, treasure is hidden all over your neighborhood. Most people can't see it. What makes this treasure so inconspicuous is that it simply appears in the place you live. 
berries, leaves, pine cones. The stuff you walk on or walk past because you're busy or distracted and have seen it 10,000 times. But look again. Look at that leaf. The confluence of veins is like many rivers coming together. Notice the spiraling geometric pattern on that golden pine cone. Gaze into the aged bark peeling away like parchment paper. Examine the delicate cloud of puff perched atop that dandelion flower. There is a wealth of beauty and wonder littered all around us right outside our own front door. We have just forgotten how to see it. To paraphrase Marcel Proust, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new lands, but in seeing with new eyes. That's the Texas metaphor again. Uh, so... Um, so he goes on to say, like, these are the kind of eyes you had when you were younger, when days lasted forever and the world was alive and enchanting. That way of seeing was so effortless back then. You could spend hours playing in the sand, chasing fireflies, or watching the tireless journey of a single ant. The small and common were doorways into an entire universe where everything was a playground. Once upon a time, we all had access to this way of seeing. But like a muscle, when we don't employ a sense of wonder and curiosity at the living world around us, it fades away. Then the world we look at is shaped through the lens of what we expect to see, which itself is a fraction of what there is to behold. And that was um, really what I wanted to emphasize is how, what might what might you need to see? And I want to encourage you to wander and wander in your own backyard and see what journeys there are for you to discover. And so I'm going to go back today here where they say a wonder takes a willingness to be uncertain. And, um, and perhaps wondering about mysterious things is more accessible out on a farm during a vast and timeless night. But the real practice is to take that wondering home and be willing to marvel at the mundane in our everyday. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Herschel calls this radical amazement. For instance, the miracle of simply waking up in the morning really deserves a lot more interest than most of us give it. Imagine being radically amazed at the utter miracle of opening your eyes every morning. What if we refuse to get used to the common subtleties of life and instead invite ourselves to engage them as small splendors? And then he also notes that this is not easy, that one of the obstacles of this um, is the knowing that you already know how things are, a certainty, you've already figured it out, you've already seen this, certainty is the anesthetic of wonder. And so the only way to break through is to look again. The movements and changes in nature are constant and you need to step closer and look again. Look at the detail and say something like, wow, what are you? This might sound silly, but it initiates wondering. Certainty lets you keep your distance, but wondering is a courtship that draws you closer. It whispers, isn't existence just miraculous? And one of my friends once said to me when we were having a discussion about something you know, amazing and wonderful in the world. And uh, she said, it gets so much less interesting once you know how it all works. And I thought, and I said, does it though? Like maybe, maybe it doesn't have to get less interesting or less magical when you know how it all works. Maybe you don't really know how it all works. And maybe the existence is just miraculous as it is. And, um, 
so uh, he also shares this a practice called the wondering exercise and um, um, it is uh, just a second I was reading something else I'm sorry about that uh, it's called a wondering exercise and so he says this step outside see a fallen leaf before you go toward it approach with curiosity did its color catch your eye does its shape attract you where did it come from to what tree does it belong to exercise your fascination pick it up and hold it in your hand and ask what are you pause and listen how is it communicating to you through detail describe it through color describe it through texture describe it in what ways does it inspire you does it want to collaborate with you take a moment imagine making more beauty with it this is your first treasure and then did I have something else to share yes I did from this same book um, and he is uh, talking about reclaiming curiosity and uh, he says question the blase we do this by wondering about everything around us when I can question my own limiting adult perspective I can begin to see beyond it and to connect back again with the animate world no longer am I only hearing my own voice but instead I coexist in a world where everything speaks with its own unique quirky, gorgeous personality. Every berry has a little voice. Every grass stalk makes itself known. I become surrounded by a community of living earth and this entire community is willing to play with me in this changing game of life. And so, I really, may you wonder and wander this week, this month, this year. May you wonder and wander and may you be enchanted by what you discover. I would love to hear about it and hear your thoughts. And I know that we come from different places and that we have different backyards and we have different experiences. Uh, So wherever you are and whatever is happening, I uh, wish you the opportunity to open your eyes and to just look a little harder and to wonder a little more and to wander a little further. And so, I have two things to close with. One was going to, I was originally going to close with this kind of poem-ish thing called Goals that I wrote, Uh, but then I actually have a little follow-up story to share after that because I had another experience right before making this recording and uh, like the bird on the tiny temple experience it could have been the opening to my next audio but instead it's going to be the closing to this one since I still have time to share it and uh, so so the, the, this goals poem is based on the reality of what I actually said Mark and I were on a walk and I mentioned it in in a previous audio that we've made a promise to ourselves a vow to one another that we will 
go outside at sunset every day this year. We will, we will witness the sunset, the time of sunset, whether we can see the sun or not, every day this year. And this is a promise that we've made and we've kept it without fail since we made the promise. And, uh, and so one, we were walking and I was saying, and I was kind of talking to him about something and I, I listed off these goals and I said, Oh, my goals. And I list these goals off. And, uh, and this poem really was those goals that I stated to him. And those goals are as real, every bit as real or important as another goal that we might make for our business or for our families or for our lives this year. These goals matter too. So these are the goals that I shared with him on our sunset walk. I want to spy on the red-shouldered hawk that lives in our field and learn about its life. I want to discover more secrets from the crows who visit our compost pile each morning. I want to sit in the woods on a rock every day and listen to the birds. I want to keep a date with sunset every night this year. So, that was going to be the end of my recording. I usually end with a poem, but I have a postscript to it. So, as I noted, I want to spy on the red-shouldered hawk, and I want to learn more secrets from the crows. And so, I was settling down to make this audio for all of you, and I had my little altar space set up, and my books spread around, and my poems printed out, and I heard a quite a commotion going on from outside. The crows were making tons of noise, and there was another sound mixed in with it that was pretty loud and insistent, and the crows were talking and yelling and kind of screaming, and something was happening. And I almost, there's a lot of sound, there's that, you know, there's a lot of sounds of the world that go on, but I thought, I'm going to go listen to that, I'm going to go see what all the ruckus is about. And so I went out on the front porch and not only did I see the crows in the compost pile, uh, they f- there's three crows flew up from the trees in the by the compost pile when, when they heard me come out of the door and they flew away. But then there were some in the trees in front of the house too who continued to kind of yell. Anyway, and then there was this other just loud, they were arguing essentially, there was this loud bird sound like kind of arguing or screaming almost or yelling or making a stink right in front of the house and uh, so I stepped out carefully into the yard and then I startled another crow that I hadn't seen was still there and it flew away so there's probably about six or seven crows that I saw that um, took flight and then I stepped a little farther and I stepped a little farther and I looked up in the tree and this is literally my front yard not over in the field anymore but right in the front yard and that hawk was in the tree and it it rose up and uh, and it, it had been making all that squawking and it flew away over the field but and so I think the crows and the hawk were actually having a disagreement of some sort I think is what had been going on and attracted my attention but the the beauty of that happening so this is I'm talking about seeing things in my own front yard or my own backyard and then I was already planning to end this recording with my goals to pay attention to that red-shouldered hawk and to the crows and I had stated those and I was going to share them with you all and then I was actually distracted from even being able to share that with you by both of those very creatures in my very front yard calling for my attention. 
And I just, it was, it delighted me. And uh, it can be hard to explain these things or what, how that feels to see those threads weaving together right in front of my eyes. It's very, um, it's hard to describe how it feels to bear witness to magic in the world. So that ended up being the closing of my little tale. And I, uh, I encourage you to uh, be endlessly inspired by the reality of this world as well. Uh, thank you very much for your patience and for listening today. Many blessings to you. If you'd like access to even more audios, resources, prayer books, practices, ritual kits, poems, and more, please join us on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash Bridget's There are several tiers of membership to choose from.